0: This is the Decoding Obesity Podcast, where we simplify, demystify, and decode obesity, helping you lose weight and feel great. So gear up for a fascinating journey through this ever-evolving field, and let's see what we find. And please remember that the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice. Don't forget to visit our website, www.decodingobesity.com, for show notes and more info, and now, here's your host of the Decoding Obesity Podcast, Dr. Avishkar Sabarwal.
1: Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Decoding Obesity Podcast. We all have aches and pains which increase as we age. People suffering from obesity are more prone to getting these body pains. Pain medications have their own well-established side effects. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could help alleviate these pains with minimal use of medications? I am pleased to welcome Dr. Sheetal DeKaria to discuss how we can do this. She is a board-certified anesthesiologist and a pain physician who dealt with her own pain issues a few years back. She decided to get education in integrative and functional medicine and use these methods to heal without medications and injections. She is also a best-selling author of the new book Break the Chronic Pain Cycle, a 90-day program to diagnose and eliminate your pain. Welcome, Sheetal.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, it's great to have you. So, you know, Sheetal, people with obesity often suffer from general body aches and joint pains. What are the common aches and pains that you see in people who are especially suffering with obesity in your practice?
2: Sure. So there's actually two different, I would say, types of pain that I see. So the first is mechanical pain. And that's what you kind of expect to see in obese patients due to the extra weight, some additional stress on their joints. So in those patients, we see a lot of hip pain, knee pain, back pain, and that's a result of just the extra stress causing kind of an accelerated arthritis and bone breakdown of their cartilage and early onset arthritis. But then we're also seeing a lot of other syndromes that happen in a higher likelihood in an obese patient versus a non-obese patient. And those are things like headache, fibromyalgia, Hmm. abdominal pain, and nerve pain that actually have nothing to do with the mechanical causes.
1: Right. And are these pains really dependent on their movement or lack thereof? Or is there something else that also precipitates these pains?
2: Sure. So the joint pain a lot of times is dependent on movement, you know, especially the hip and the knee joint pain. However, as they're kind of arthritis of the joint really progresses to becoming end stage or bone-on-bone arthritis. In those people, I actually see them having pain even at rest. The other types of pain I talked about, like the fibromyalgia, the nerve pain, those can happen at any time because those are actually more related to biochemical ties to obesity rather than just the mechanical reasons.
1: You're right. Let's talk about the biochemical part of it because that's very interesting. Very commonly, we see that the pains that are there, or when you call, very commonly, we think about the pains that are there with obesity are primarily because of the stress on the joints or the weight-bearing joints that we would see. But let's talk about the biochemical factors at play over here. What really causes all of these other pains? Sure.
2: So they found that in studies they've done on both humans and animals, that obese patients have higher inflammatory markers in their blood versus people that are not obese. So one example of this is something called CRP, And this is C-reactive protein. It's an inflammatory marker. So it's elevated in patients that are obese. And that leads to a lot of extra joint pain and different types of pain syndromes just from the inflammation itself.
1: I see. So tell us about your journey. How did you get involved with pain medicine? And how did you finally get involved with integrative medicine?
2: Sure. So I decided at some point during medical school that I wanted to go into pain management. My father was a pain management doctor, so I was introduced to it early on. And I spent time in his clinic. And I was like, this is what I want to do, because it's truly, you know, helping people, it's healing people. And I just saw him make such an impact in people's lives. So I decided to go into it. But I had never actually experienced pain until I finished my training. And then I experienced chronic pain myself about two months after I finally finished all my board exams. And that's how I kind of went down this path of learning more about pain through integrative medicine, because I had my conventional side, but that wasn't enough for me to figure out how to help myself heal.
1: I see. And then what did you figure out from the integrative side? Sure. So when I initially had
2: my pain, it started out as foot pain, and then it progressed to hip pain and back pain. I started out going through the conventional medicine side of things. You know, I had x-rays, MRIs, I saw the regular doctors, I did physical therapy, but I wasn't getting better. And after about a year or so of of doing that, I was very frustrated. I don't like to take medications. I didn't want any of the injections they offered. And so I actually did a one-year integrative scholars program, and I just started to learn about all of that stuff. You know, I was trying acupuncture. I was doing all these different therapies. Mm. And slowly but surely, I started to get better.
1: I see. And how long did it take for you to see these effects? A very long time.
2: (laughs) 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 I think I had pain for about three and a half years, to be honest. It took a long time for me to figure out every single lifestyle change and every single aspect of my life that I needed to address before I was able to like completely get rid of the pain.
1: So obviously you were trained in pain medicine and I'm sure you were treating patients with pain the conventional medicine that you learn. Were you seeing patients that were not really happy with the conventional medicine and did that impact at all in getting this integrative medicine training?
2: Absolutely. So the the thing that I, you know, when I first started residency, I kind of thought conventional medicine was the only way and, you know, everyone was going to get better. And then when I actually went and did my pain fellowship and I started to see people, I realized we were just placing Band-Aids and the Band-Aids would last for maybe a week, maybe a month, maybe a year, and it would fall off. And people were getting worse instead of better. And it was really frustrating to watch that happen and know that I wasn't really addressing their root cause, that I wasn't helping them heal, and we were just masking issues. And patients were frustrated. For me, it was really important that I went kind of beyond what I was taught in my conventional training so that I could really help people and, you know, get rid of their pain and not just mask it.
1: Yeah, it's funny, you know, because this country, we have this epidemic of opiate use, and that's primarily used for pain management and It's so important to understand that there are so many different etiologies and so many different causes of pain. And just treating the pain itself may not be enough. You need to find out the underlying cause of the pain. Just like you had mentioned that in obesity, you know, there is a lot of inflammation. It is a pro-inflammatory state, which we know very well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, treating that would probably help with the pain. So, Do you see any patients where they're suffering from obesity and they come and you advise them to lose weight per se? Have you seen patients who've lost weight get, you know, have their pain get better?
2: Yes, definitely. I think the challenge that patients with obesity have is that they see their doctor and a lot of times they're told, well, lose weight and your pain is going to go away. And I think sometimes that leaves them frustrated. It doesn't give them a lot of really, you know, I guess, actual plans and tips that they need to do to actually get there. So I try to really break it down and make small goals, make attainable goals. And I've seen people lose weight, or really even just change their diet. And that in itself have profound impact on reducing their pain. So absolutely, I've seen the weight loss and just lifestyle changes alone have really, really, really strong impacts.
1: Right. Barring the patients who are suffering from severe or morbid obesity, as we say, who may find it difficult to start exercising initially, do you see the other people who kind of start Getting physically active, do you see that playing a role in their pain or the pain getting better?
2: Yes, definitely. So I think that for, and this goes for all of us, that our sedentary lifestyles right now are not helping our chronic pain issues because the less we are using our muscles, the more imbalances we have and the more prone we are to put extra stress on our joints. And if patients are able to get active, I recommend a lot of either physical therapy or aqua therapy because it's a really nice kind of pain-free way you can get moving without putting that extra pressure on your joints. That by doing that, if you strengthen all those muscles that are supporting your back, your knees, your hips, patients can get a lot better and a lot stronger pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, I think that's very important to understand. People who have obesity really have a lot of stress on their weight-bearing joints, um, like the hip joints, the knee joints, and working in Doing a workout in water, like in a swimming pool, in a shallow swimming pool would really help because that really takes a lot of the weight off of these joints and actually just moving them there. And usually that's a good place to start, especially for people who are suffering from severe obesity, so that they can at least start getting some physical activity going to strengthen those muscles. Do you work with a physical therapist to teach them specific physical activities or is it just whatever they can do?
2: Yeah, so I work with a number of physical therapists very closely. We also have a aqua therapy facility that I work with close by, and that mm-hmm. actually has warm water therapy, which is even better. Okay. Especially for those people with the severe joint issues, to get in a warm water and be able to do their therapy that way. I mean, they just found that it's really enjoyable, and they're also able to get a lot better.
1: So, talk to me about dietary changes that help.
2: Sure. So. The main thing to remember is that, you know, the standard American diet that we're eating right now with, you know,
1: yes, (laughs) it's
2: very, very pro-inflammatory. So the thing about diet is it's a very personal choice. You know, there's many diets that have research behind it, and then you'll find another article that kind of refutes it. So what I usually tell my patients is general principles. Try to eliminate or cut down sugar. Try to minimize processed packaged foods. Try to eat anti-inflammatory types of diets eat as many fruit and vegetables as you can, as much food as you can in its natural state. And that alone is usually enough to really impact not just inflammation, but also their weight over time.
1: I see. So how quickly do people start seeing these results with increasing the fruit intake, the vegetable intake? How quickly have you seen your patients see results in terms of getting their pain better?
2: Yeah. So usually when they're making changes like this, you know, we're not looking for like massive amounts of weight loss very quickly, but more like working slowly towards it. So, you know, I had one patient that all she did was it was too much for her to make a whole upheaval of her diet. So we decided the first month we were just going to cut out soda. So she cut out soda, started drinking water, and that's the only change she made. That in itself, like I think it was an eight pound weight loss by the time I saw her six weeks later, and she felt super encouraged and then continued. Most of my patients will lose about five to 10 pounds a month. And after two or three months, they start to feel significantly better.
1: I see. And have you had any patients who felt better independent of the weight loss with the pain med- with with the integrative side of the pain management?
2: Yeah, definitely. So, you know, some people do have a hard time with the weight loss, but they're still able to get more active. They're still able to do a lot of mind-body therapies cuz sure. depression does go along with chronic pain and along with obesity sometimes. So, incorporating some of that into their life has helped as well with just their pain levels. And then sometimes people just need procedures and they need to feel better in the short term. And that kind of gets them over the hump where they're feeling better and then they're really motivated to do these other things and these lifestyle changes.
1: I see. Yeah, that's interesting because are you still doing the procedures or are you just purely integrative?
2: No, I still do procedures. Yes. And some Uh of them work really well. Of course. For certain joint issues like this.
1: Yeah. I mean, they're all, most of the procedures are evidence-based. So that's definitely there. But I was just very curious about how are your patients reacting to the dietary changes. And have you had any patients who've been kind of resistant initially to these changes? And how did you talk to them? And yes. what happened?
2: <laughs> I think, like I said, diet is a very personal choice. I mean, sometimes I met with some resistance because it's maybe it's cultural or maybe it's something that they don't want to change or they feel like they can't change. I've also had some patients say they can't afford some of these other options. Sure. So it's a process, I would say, and part of it is is just introducing the idea, coming up with very, very small, minor goals. Like I said with the other patient, you know, just cutting out the soda and replacing it with water. Trying to meet the patient with where they're at, I think, is really important because you really can't force something like this. Of course, and then yeah. sometimes I also ask like a nutritionist to help too, and that that can be really helpful.
1: So other than the nutrition part of it, is there anything else involved in all of this from your integrative and functional medicine standpoint? Is there anything else that you employ to help patients with pain?
2: Yes, there's definitely a lot. So the different aspects are, you know, I first start out with addressing kind of the physical things like we talked about with the physical sure. therapy. But a big component of chronic pain is mind-body therapy, so stress reduction, mindfulness meditation you know these type of incorporating physical activities like yoga or tai chi that have a mind body aspect to them it really does a huge it plays a big role in chronic pain in terms of kind of resetting those chemicals and those stress hormones and that really does help a lot of pain
1: yeah and i think it's also about developing that tolerance to that certain pain level that happens once you become more physically active and you know the body gets used to some of the pain as you're getting better And I believe that, you know, meditation and some of these mindfulness activities also help with that, but I could be wrong here. What are your thoughts on that?
2: No, you're definitely right. They've done thousands of studies, I would say, on on different types of the kind of the mind-body impact of pain and mindfulness. There's been a lot of studies to show that mindfulness, daily meditation, cognitive behavioral therapy, for one, biofeedback, these are different approaches that A pain psychologist can use to kind of retrain your thought process, so retrain those negative emotions into positive emotions. Kind of retrain your body's physiologic
1: perception of pain. Exactly.
2: Yep. And that itself has profound impact on pain.
1: Yeah, I mean that's very interesting because that's a very different way of looking at how you're going to treat pain. One is you give a medication to help either with the inflammatory markers, for example, we use NSAIDs and, you know, they basically decrease the inflammation. That's one type of pain. Right. Then you have the opiates that really work on the opioid receptors and just mask the pain. Those are the pain receptors. Right. But then, you know, looking at the other thing is building up that resilience and that resistance to pain. Psychologically, how much pain you feel. And that's a completely different concept.
2: Yes. Yes. And I think it's overlooked a lot of times, sometimes in conventional medicine but is a big component of chronic pain. And I think that's why we have such a hard time treating chronic pain with medications and surgeries and procedures, because it is just so much more complex than, say, acute pain.
1: Right. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, and the mind plays a big, big part in this. It does. It's not the physical pain. If you get cut, of course, you know, meditation and mindfulness is not going to help you there. (laughs) Right. You had a surgery, obviously, mindfulness is not going to help you. with. It might help you a little bit, but you still physically feel the pain because you just got a cut. Right. But the chronic pains that people have, some of it is also the perceived pain that patients have. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where all of these things can definitely play a role. Yes, definitely. Yeah, so tell us about your book then. I'm very curious about the 90-day program to eliminate pain.
2: Sure, so the book is based on my sort of approach that I have for chronic pain, both in my clinic and then also what I used for myself. The first part is split into different pain syndromes. So there's a questionnaire that someone will take, and then they'll figure out what type of pain they have. And then based on that, they'll implement a different type of program to get better. And then the the last part of the book is actually about a lifestyle that you need to adopt to have, I would say, like an anti-pain lifestyle so that you don't develop pain issues in the future. And that is truly looking at diet, you know, a daily exercise program, just different ways that you need to live your life, removing toxins and things like that to really try to not have the pain come back.
1: I see. So for people sitting at home and who are not yet seeing a pain specialist, how can they start by changing their lifestyle to kind of, you know, get a head start on on getting their pain under control?
2: Sure. So I think that we need to really understand that it, it's the diet plays a huge, huge role. So the first thing that I think everyone should do is kind of take a look at their own lifestyle. You know, what kind of diet are you eating? And 80% of the time try to eat an anti-inflammatory or a healthy type of diet. So that minimizing the processed and packaged foods, taking out sugar, things like that. And then every day you should try to get some amount of exercise if, you know, even if it's just going outside for a walk, trying to not live a fully sedentary lifestyle, especially now when we're all stuck at home. It's important to try to keep those muscles engaged, keep your muscles working and strong, because even if you don't have pain now, you may have pain in the future.
1: Right. So talk to me about this anti-inflammatory diet. You know, this concept keeps coming up again and again and again. Is there specific foods that you need to eat, or is just eating more plants and vegetables and fruits?
2: Sure. So kind of the one that I would say coined the term, or at least is the most well known for it, is Dr. Andrew Weil. He has created this anti-inflammatory food pyramid that you can easily search online, and it breaks it down for you. But the way his pyramid is structured is, yes, lots of fruit and vegetables, trying to avoid things like sugars and processed foods, trying to eat healthy whole grains try to eat healthy fats, avocado, olive oil, things like that. If you do eat meat, trying to choose organic grass-fed meat and just really trying to minimize those things that, that are going to cause more inflammation.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. It's really coming down to eating more vegetables and more
2: <laughs> <laughs> less. Yeah, I would say, yes. <laughs> A lot more, yeah. Less cookies.
1: <laughs> yeah. You are right. So how can people reach you?
2: On my website, revitalizewellnesscenter.com, I do have a couple of free online courses available right now. One that I think your audience would really appreciate and gain some value from is the free inflammation video course that also has a 100-page ebook that's for free that goes along with it just to teach your listeners about how to naturally reduce inflammation through diet and other
0: things that they can start incorporating in their lives. You've been listening to the Decoding Obesity Podcast. Please remember, the information in this podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely of the host and his guests and do not constitute medical advice. Views and opinions on this show do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of any organization. And that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you so much for listening in. Don't forget to visit our website, www.decodingobesity.com for show notes and more info. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. Until next time.